0: If there's going to be any form of reinvention, the pressure that brings it on you, you have to accept it, you have to take pleasure in it, you have to enjoy it, and then you open up your heart to learn things that you've never known in your entire life. So, first things you just did, four things I want you to first of all establish. Number one, or five things. Number one, change your attitude. All right, many are fighting. I push it back. Change your attitude. This thing can bring multiplication. Impose changes are the platforms for the manifestation. Which means, on the inside of you are rivers of living water, unless pressure is put and you are thirsty, you are not going to look in. So change your attitude towards it. Then number two, clearly define inside your heart what are your objectives and what really are your goals. Because what sometimes causes a problem is, is that people's objectives and goals are not clearly defined. What does it mean for you to win in life? Now, please remove every other thing people are saying, religious statements and all over. What will give you joy? What will make you say, Father, I thank you. God, you have done it for me. If you're a pastor, if it is the multiplication in the numbers of your church, forget about theories of people and religious statements. Clarify that. If it's about you increasing the profits in the business that you are doing, clarify that. Nobody is, you are only in business for the purpose of making a profit. If you don't make a profit, you are not in business again. Now, what you do with the profit is now where you can now say, well, I want to do charity and do things. But the purpose of a business entity is to make profit. So there has to be growth in terms of profit margins. That means numbers must increase. Full stop. Clarify it. All right, Clarify it. That this is what the goal is. I mean, there's nobody on a team playing on a team, let's say football, who doesn't know exactly what it means to win in that game. If you don't know what it means to win, then you are actually, even though you are in the team, you are going to work against the team if you don't know what it is to win. If you have not clarified the vision and what it means to win, then you will go into what is called self-sabotage. It's not the environment. You are the one who will sabotage yourself by your words, by the things that you do. So clarify what it means to win. Here is the goal. Here is the objective. All right? Then number three, tell yourself that the change that has been imposed on you has in no way destroyed your objectives and your goals. It has only destroyed the method through which it will happen. Let me repeat. So the reinvention is changing the method through which you are going to achieve your objectives. That's what it means to reinvent. So what happened was, your your goals were not tampered with. If you had a business, goals were not tampered with. For person, pastors, a church, the goals and objectives remain the same. The introduction of this change destroyed our methods of doing things. But it did not affect in any way our vision, or the fulfilment of that vision. Now we've got to sit back, haven't accepted that, to reinvent, which means to find new tools and ways in which we are going to achieve the same objective and goals. Let me just say something about 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 something in the scriptures here. Death does not mean cessation here of the existence of something, never. Every human spirit will live forever. Destinations differ, but existence is forever. Death means the separation and the loss that will occur by reason of that separation. So death means the loss that will come through separation. So when you say a person has died physically, the person did not die. The person was just separated from the body, so the body drops down and goes back to dust. But that person's spirit is alive. That person still has memory because when Abraham and um, the rich man was there, he, he called on to Father Abraham and said, go and tell you remember, he had brothers, he remembered while he was on the earth. So it's a separation that has occurred. And so, the fear of death, as described in scripture, is the fear of the loss that will come by reason of separation from something or somebody. So, if I believe, if I have a job, let me just say, I have a job. And that job, all right, in that job that I have, I have a good job, I have a car. I have a mortgage. that I'm paying through through the job. You know, I travel. I have a social status. You know, um, whatever it is, my children are in certain schools because of what I'm earning from the job. Now, if that job comes under threat, and I'm going to be separated from that job, there's going to be the consequence of it. In other words, there will be lost equal affect So there's deterioration in those things. So the fear of that deterioration that comes as a result of severance is what is called the fear of death. So a plant wants a branch, if it's severed from the trunk, then what happens is you see deterioration that comes in. So it's the fear of that. So what happens, so Jesus has delivered us from that fear, which means Jesus says if you are separated from anything, if you come into my presence which is the holiest of all, I will show you how. you get multiplied and you don't deteriorate. So tell yourself this disruption may have affected my method, but it's not going to affect my outcome. And that's where reinvention comes in. So, understand this. The fourth thing you're going to do is in every instance of, of human advancement on the earth. People have always used their words to first arrive at the destination before they discovered how to get there. So before you can get awakened to this process of reinvention, your words must take you to that particular place. So your declarations have to be firm. This is a determination based on assurance, your vision, you must be declaring it completely out of your mouth as a settled fact and reality within your life. Then you go to God in prayer and ask him for what is called his prophetic word. His prophetic word means a scripture or portions of scripture that will interpret clearly to you what is going on with the promise in that scripture of the outcome. That's a prophetic word. We are called, and that's the platform upon which we're going to distinguish ourselves. We are called to go up to God to receive what is called a prophetic word, which is a word that describes to you what is going on, interprets what's happening in the light of God's mind, and shows you what the outcome will be. So let me give a very an example here. A woman was going to get her leg amputated. Now she knows she's healed by the stripes of Joseph the Christian, and she know that, but but that, that that's what she was taught. She needed a prophetic word. So she went up to God in prayer, and God gave her scripture that interpreted what was going on and showed her what would happen. And the scripture God gave to her was, the Lord shall be thy confidence. Now, what had happened was, she had, had an infection in her foot, and it was spreading and said, we need to cut the foot off so that this doesn't spread to your whole body. It has to go off, that's amputated." She didn't want that, she went to God, And God gave her the scripture. The Lord shall be thy confidence, and he shall not suffer thy food to be taken. The minute she saw that, she says, that's it. This food is not. So she had a foundation for her declaration. Then the final thing that you must do is, once you have his eternal word, and you are declaring it. The Bible says, ask and you shall be given. So you have been given in that word but then he says, seek for it and you shall find it. And here's where a lot of Christians don't play; We just don't get involved. And it's the use of our minds here to overcome things within our environment. And here's the search, knowing confidently, confidently, that the outcome is victorious, then we are going for the search here So find the tools, which means the reinvention process here. What are we going to do to be able to achieve these objectives in the light of what we have? Because certainly from God we know that our objectives have been reached before we know how to do it. So you must understand the most important quality is your propensity now to learn your propensity to learn becomes the most important quality. Your ability to learn becomes the overriding factor in your success here. So you want to open up your heart and start learning. Now, but learning is a humbling process. So you humble yourself to learn, but don't just start you know, I want to learn, I want to learn, I want to learn. And then you're just reading and acquiring knowledge. Where you will grow and become the most effective are in areas where you experienced either pain or shame. Let me say that again. Areas where you experience pain or shame, where your nakedness was revealed, are the areas where you will grow. The acquisition of information outside the context in which you are living will only lead to pride. You are going for knowledge to address issues going on in your own space and in the context of your life. That's why in that reinvention, what God told Paul was, through your weakness or in your weaknesses shall my strength be made perfect, not just your weaknesses. So Paul said, I glory now in my infirmities, in my reproaches. He understood it's in those areas, that's where grace is coming. All right? So the grace is going to come in all of those areas. And that's where the power of God is going to flow into So you've got to ask yourself this question. I'll read out the question here. Because advancement comes by answering questions. You've got to ask yourself a question. Now, because I won't be able to come back to this, but if you are growing and you, like we said, you get to the place where you hit your peak and you come down. The question you need to ask yourself to reinvent when you are successful to get into the next level of success is this. Is there something we are pretending not to know that is going on? In other words, everybody said stuff and everything, and you ask yourself, is there something that I know is going on that I am pretending like it doesn't exist? That thing is what you should address. So let's assume, so data comes back to you. Let's assume that you run a business and clients and every time, there's, there's something going on. And you, you are ignoring it. You are pretending like that thing is not there. But it's there. Now, it is those who are, honest and bold enough, Uh, because sometimes, you know, success can cause you to, to become addicted on what we call psychological drugs, where, you know, you are doing things that make you happy, but you are no longer facing the very thing. Come by talking success and get into this hubris of success, and you're no longer facing things that are there in your system. But the question you ask when things are imposed on you is this if I was damaged by a disruption in a certain way, how do I prevent this from ever happening again? If you can find out what your weaknesses are and strengthen those areas, then that will be the process of reinvention. How do you do that? By being honest. All right? So, for a church here, I tell myself when this virus came, when this COVID 19 came in and imposed and service was shut down, what in our systems were, what weaknesses in our systems were, were revealed. How do we create a system where if we have this kind of thing in two years time, everything will run smoothly? That's reinvention. That's people being creation, being delivered from the bondage into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. I was listening to a webinar where people came together Giants in the industry to say if this kind of pandemic ever happens again, how will global, global supply chains remain intact? Which means food gets to where it's supposed to get to, things get to where they are, everything, the supply chains are intact. Factories don't get shut down. How do we do it? Are we going to have to use artificial intelligence to create robots to do certain things? You start thinking about reinvention. That is in the context of your life. It's only things that touch you. You know, someone said, an old evangelical, you only imbibe truth in its living power when the soul requires it. Someone told me once, said, well, you know, a young man, he said, I read a lot. I get a lot of knowledge. What he does is that I just become proud. I look at other people. I think they're less intelligent. I spot mistakes in other things I doing. All right, how come you read a lot? I don't. I said, I don't read things. I read to solve my problems. I don't read for reading's sake. I read to find solutions to what I'm going through or to what people are confronting. I am result-oriented in my search for knowledge. So in this reinvention, you want to ask yourself this question. I mean, a friend of mine went to Japan, and he was in a hotel, and he says he just saw the thing, move a bit, and some of the uh, uh, cops fell off, and he said, what's going on? And he didn't know. Well, by the time he got down, he put on the television, and he watched after, you know, some time, he realized there was a massive earthquake right underneath where he was. Why didn't the building collapse? He went to find out the Japanese said, We've had these mistakes happen in the past where buildings have collapsed these earthquakes. And so we had to learn from our weaknesses on how to build. And that was that reinvention that occurred. So you ask God for wisdom. And then go and look for material. You've gotten the word of God that has brought light to your soul. Start confessing it. Then look for material. Find from people who have had similar experiences, first in your own industry and then outside. Read and start reading, all right, to be able to get an understanding of ideas that have worked on the earth and produced changes so that you see how they thought, how they combine things together and start reading. Find any organization that is even outside your own field that went through that reformation process and reinvented themselves. Any book that the leaders have written, go and find it and read. With your confession going on and your prayers as a Christian, the Holy Ghost on the inside will give you more understanding than even all your teachers. And you will have remarkable insight into the principles that you need to put in place for there to be reinvention. You will find those thoughts And as you allow those thoughts to now work on the inside of you, the light bulb will go off and you will know the changes that you ought to make. Yes, it is mental exercise, but you have to do it. I'll close by saying this. I watched something some scientists did where they scanned the brains of people. And they found out that if you learn a particular language on that brain, in your brain if it's scanned, there are what you call neural pathways that would have been formed in your brain that shows in every single person's brain that understands that language, definite neural pathways. In other words, the shape of the brain of people that fail in life is one way. And you can see neural pathways that connections have not been made those who are very successful you can see certain connections in their neural pathway those connections are knowledge they have read gained information until they made the connections and they're able to execute so go out you're praying you're thanking god your attitude is right making declarations go search knowledge and find out the things that you ought to know in the fields of people who have done some reinvention in order to know the tools that you need to put in place. Because of time, I've got to stop here. Father, in the name of Jesus, pray for every single person under the sound of my voice that you release that grace. Same way you told Paul, my grace is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient for every single person. Release this grace to cause them to be able to reinvent and discover the new tools through a recombination of already existing ideas on this earth to bring forth things that are brand new, that will bring about speedy progress
1: and multiply their impact upon the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: I'll speak about an experiment that was con- conducted in John Hopkins University and get back to this. And quickly show how, all right, we can get into reinvention by first of all asking ourselves one major question. Now, in John Hopkins University conducted this experiment and they had a controlled environment in which they put s- a certain type of insect And what they wanted to do was to find out the process or the death stages in that insect. So what they did was that they put in a controlled environment and put the insects on the magnifying lens. And then put a type of plant that they usually fed on right there and said, well, um, allow them to start feeding on that plant. Just one knowing that as they fed, they will grow and develop, they observe them. And then when the plant dies out or finishes, they fed on it. Then they now put in the magnifying lens to understand the process of death. Now what happened was instead of these insects dying, these insects began to as we'll say, reinvent themselves. Wings began to grow out, and it was recorded there that flying creatures, they no longer called them insects, they said flying creatures emerged from those insects and flew out of that controlled environment to find where they could get plants again, they could feed on. And so what happened was these insects went back to feeding on plants. But now they had developed a new but permanent future called wings. Which in all the decades in which they studied these insects, they never saw that they had that. They didn't know locked on the inside of them was the ability and capability to grow wings and fly. They would never have described them that way. And so, when change was imposed on them, instead of death, there was that reinvention. And reinvention is what you do instead of die. Because we said, there is that curve, you go up, and then after some time, the death begins to set in, even in things that were self-induced. And that's why it even tells us in the book of James, I don't want to get into that scripture or get, get digress here, in the book of James, it talks to us about that when crisis comes or this self, or this imposed changes upon us, it says, but let the brother of low re- degree rejoice in that he's exalted. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing that the trial of your faith worketh patience. He says, but let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he's exalted, the rich in that he's made low, because as a flower of grass he shall pass away. In other words, these imposed changes come on us before we even sometimes get to the peak, so that, all right, we do not wither away, but we have the opportunity to reinvent ourselves. So these creatures flew out. Now they had a permanent future. And that's what God wants to do. Every time you come into crisis, you grow something that becomes permanent and participates with you, in you, in your oppressions for the rest of your life. So what the wings are is you develop and learn, quote-unquote new skills, and grow something out of your being that wasn't there. That when you now go back, all right, into what we call just regular, you have futures within your being. It's like saying they that wait upon the Lord, all right, they were running and struggling and then something happened and they waited upon the Lord. Now they mount up with wings as eagles. The world to wait there, there's an exchange of strength. Something has happened. Now, when we're confronted with these imposed changes, we largely are left with three options. The first is to fight it. Because we tell ourselves, look, I don't want this. This has come to, to affect my life. So we fight it. The second is to run away from the situation. So if it's something you can run away from, then people will. Unfortunately, the COVID-19, nobody could run because it was global. So everybody, and it made everybody static. Nobody left their locality. The third is to make use of it. And reinvention is making use of the self of sorry of the imposed changes whereby you grow wings and fly out and you have futures that are permanent you learn new ways of doing all things that make you far more effective and in the process of that you're capable of having what is called increased vision. And insects will never have a vision of moving. For example, you will never have a vision of preaching in, in 10 different nations. You won't entertain it. In the space of 14 days, if there were no planes, if we're only going with ships, there's no chance of you doing that. But because there are now tools on the ground whereby you can move from one nation to another, in a matter of a few hours, you are settled in another nation, then the possibility there of having that kind of vision can now enter into your heart and your mind. So the thought there is to make use of it. in some cases, there are, there, there are changes that come, you fight it. All right? You resist. So you have to ascertain in prayer. All right? What exactly is going on? The COVID changes that God could ask somebody to leave where they are and say, I want you in this place all right, move from, from from Lagos and move to Portagot. Those changes cannot occur. Abraham was asked to move. So none in itself, you can just say is wrong. There are times where people fight because you are resisting the devil who has come to subject creation against their will to fulfill his own hope. But there are times where God says, this has to be used. In other words, Jesus resisted the devil in his life. But when it was time to go to the cross, the Bible says, had the princes of this world known, they would not have crucified Lord of Glory. So it was the enemy that took him to the cross to crucify him. But it coincided with something God wanted to do in his intelligence. And that became the open door for Jesus. To move out of ministry in the flesh, or you can say doing things at one level and get into multiple forms of getting things done. But it had to be made a little lower by going to that cross. Now, so there are times where you resist, so you are sateen inside your heart. Now, but the tendency in us is to fight it. Anything we don't like, we want to fight. And when you fight, when you should use, then you miss out on things. And that's natural. Even Jesus, it was the natural human tendency. We, 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 We like to push back on things that make us uncomfortable. So when it was time to pray, if you listen to the prayers of Jesus in Matthew chapter 26 you'll find out that Jesus, first of all, went into this fight mode. And the first thing he said was, in verse 38, he said, Matthew 26, 38, he said, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry here with me, watch and pray. And then when he got to prayer in 39, "Oh my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but let thy will. Which means he didn't want it. Then the next time he got there into prayer, he changed it because God started ministering to him. And in fellowship with God, God showed him. We are using this. Oh, my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, was his second prayer. Paul also, when there was a messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet him. That's a messenger of Satan. He went there, resisted, let this thing depart. God said, you are to use it. And we're getting to the point now. You are to use it. There's going to be a reinvention within your life. Something is imposed. There has to be reinvention. Businesses were greatly affected by the COVID. Now, Satan's intent is to kill, to steal, and destroy. Jesus' intent is that you have life more abundantly. So, as the pressure came on, God was calling businesses to reinvent, that in the midst of these, you can have life and more abundant life. In other words, you can make more money through this crisis than you have ever made. You say, well, what are you talking about? The way my business was is simply this. How in this world would I have been able to make it? That's reinvention. As the insect, had you ever grown wings? It wasn't easy, so to speak, but they could do it. And once they subjected themselves or submitted themselves rather to that process, it becomes easy. It is your resistance to the idea that a reinvention can actually occur that makes it difficult. Accept it even if you don't know how it's going to happen, then you get it easy. Your pushback against it and the fact that you're saying this thing cannot happen, that's what makes it difficult. The minute you accept the thoughts that a change can actually occur and there can be reinvention, then it becomes easy. Because accepting is the most difficult. That's why it says the meek, which means to humble yourself. For he resists the prayer. So once you humble yourself, then you get into grace. So Paul prayed three times. Let this thing depart. God said, my grace is sufficient. It's about reinvention. He then went on and said, most gladly therefore. So the attitude of Paul completely changed. And that's how your attitude has got to change, number one. To this stuff if there's going to be any form of reinvention the pressure that brings it on you you have to accept it you have to take pleasure in it you have to enjoy it and then you open up your heart to learn things that you've never known in your entire life So, first things, just need four things. I want you to, first of all, establish. Number one, or five things. Number one, change your attitude. All right, many are fighting. I push it back. Change your attitude. This thing can bring multiplication. Impose changes. Are the platforms for the manifestation, which means on the inside of you are rivers of living water, unless pressure is put and you are thirsty, you're not going to look in. So change your attitude towards it. Then number two, clearly define inside your heart what are your objectives and what really are your goals. Because what sometimes causes a problem is, it's, is that people's objectives and goals are not clearly defined. What does it mean for you to win in life? Now, please remove every other thing people are saying, religious statements and all over. What will give you joy? What will make you say, Father, I thank you. God, you have done it for me. If you're a pastor, if it is the multiplication in the numbers of your church, forget about theories of people and religious statements, clarify that. If it's about you increasing the profits in the business that you are doing, clarify that. Nobody is, you are only in business for the purpose of making a profit. If you don't make a profit, you are not in business again. Now, what you do with the profit is now where you can now say, well, I want to do charity and do things. But the purpose of a business entity is to make profit. So there has to be growth in terms of profit margins. That means numbers must increase. Full stop. Clarify it. All right, Clarify it, that this is what the goal is. I mean, there's nobody on a team playing on a team, let's say football, who doesn't know exactly what it means to win in that game. If you don't know what it means to win, then you are actually, even though you are in the team, you are going to work against the team if you don't know what it is to win. If you have not clarified the vision and what it means to win, then you will go into what is called self-sabotage. It's not the environment. You are the one who will sabotage yourself by your words, by the things that you do. So clarify what it means to win. Here is the goal. Here is the objective. All right? Then number three, tell yourself that the change that has been imposed on you has in no way destroyed your objectives and your goals. It has only destroyed the method through which it will happen. Let me repeat. So the reinvention is changing the method through which you are going to achieve your objectives. That's what it means to reinvent. So, what happened was your your goals were not tampered with. If you had a business, goals were not tampered with. For person, pastors, a church, the goals and objectives remain the same. The introduction of this change destroyed our methods of doing things, but it did not affect in any way. Our vision, or the fulfilment of that vision. Now we've got to sit back; haven't accepted that to reinvent, which means to find new tools and ways in which we are going to achieve the same objective and goals. Let me just say something about 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 something in the scriptures here. Death does not mean. cessation here of the existence of something, never. Every human spirit will live forever. Destinations differ, but existence is forever. Death means the separation and the loss that will occur by reason of that separation. So death means the loss that will come through separation. So when you say a person has died physically, the person did not die. The person was just separated from the body, so the body drops down and goes back to dust. But that person's spirit is alive. That person still has memory because when Abraham, um, the rich man was there, he, he called on to Father Abraham said, Go and tell him, he you remember the brothers, he remembered while he was on the earth. So it's a separation that has occurred. And so, the fear of death, as described in scripture, is the fear of the loss that will come by reason of separation from something or somebody. So, if I believe, if I have a job, let me just say, I have a job. And that job, all right, in that job that I have, I have a good job, I have a car. I have a mortgage that I'm paying through through the job, you know, I travel, I have a social status, you know, um, whatever it is, I my children in certain schools because of what I'm earning from the job now. If that job comes under threat and I'm gonna be separated from that job, there's going to be the consequence of it. In other words, there will be lost. It could affect So there's deterioration in those things. So the fear of that deterioration that comes as a result of severance is what is called the fear of death. So a plant wants a branch, if it's severed from the trunk, then what happens is you see deterioration that comes in. So it's the fear of that. So what happens? So Jesus has delivered us from that fear, which means Jesus says if you are separated from anything, if you come into my presence, which is the holiest of all, I will show you how. you get multiplied and you don't deteriorate. So tell yourself this disruption may have affected my method, but it's not going to affect my outcome. And that's where reinvention comes in. So, understand this. The third thing you're going to do, is in every instance of human advancement on the earth people have always used their words to first arrive at the destination before they discovered how to get there so before you can get awakened to this process of reinvention, your words must take you to that particular place. So your declarations have to be firm. This is a determination based on assurance. Your vision, you must be declaring it completely out of your mouth as a settled fact and reality within your life. Then you go to God in prayer and ask him for what is called his prophetic word. His prophetic word means a scripture or portions of scripture that will interpret clearly to you what is going on with the promise in that scripture of the outcome. That's a prophetic word. We are called, and that's the platform upon which we are going to distinguish ourselves. We are called to go up to God to receive what is called a prophetic word which is a word that describes to you what is going on interprets what's happening in the light of God's mind and shows you what the outcome will be. So let me give a very an example here. A woman was going to get her leg amputated. Now she knows she's healed by the stripes of joseph the christian and she know that but but that, that, that's what she was taught she needed a prophetic word so she went up to god in prayer and god gave her scripture that interpreted what was going on and showed her what will happen and the scripture god gave to her was the lord shall be thy confidence now what had happened was she had had an infection in her foot and it was spreading and said, we need to cut the food off so that this doesn't spread to your whole body. It has to go off. It has to be updated. She didn't want that. She went to God. And God gave her scripture, the scripture. The Lord shall be thy confidence and he shall not suffer thy food to be taken. The minute she saw that, she says, that's it. This food is not. So she had a foundation for her declaration. Then the final thing that you must do is Once you have his eternal word and you are declaring it, the Bible says, ask and you shall be given. So you have been given in that word.
1: But then it says, seek for it and you shall find it. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you.
0: So we're speaking on the subject of reinvention, and I want to look at it uh, from two angles um, today. Uh, First thing that I want to do is that I want to first of all say that uh, reinvention is a skill, uh, a skill that um, is quite rare, even though we kind of, to a very large extent, mastered it when we were Infants growing up, but there's a tendency as we grow and we develop, there's a reluctance to change. Uh, we become crap, um, creatures of habit. Um, going out of your comfort zone into a place that will upset the card, so to speak, uh, becomes quite uncomfortable to do. Um, and also sometimes pride gets into the way and people do not position themselves for this process called reinvention. Um, I'll start out by uh, telling this particular, using this analogy, I always use it when I teach on things that are in this way and then get into uh, the scriptures. Uh, Reinvention is something that happened when you are um, a little child, an infant. Uh, When any person gets born into this world, the first what brings joy to the heart of the mother and the father of the baby is the fact that the baby cries that shows that there is life in the child crying there was an evidence of life so it brought the greatest joy into the heart of the parents and then the child begins to communicate through crying which means that when the child is hungry the baby the baby cries And after some time, the mother comes to understand what all of the crying means. In other words, the baby feels hot and needs clothes to be taken off, Uh, here she cries. And the mother moves and says, this is what you ought to do. And so the baby begins to master the environment and sees how crying can actually get things done. Authority figures move, adults in the room, start running around once they hear the sound of that cry and when the baby has finally and the child has finally grown up and mastered the art of how to cause massive things to move around through the art of crying then suddenly he or she gets the shock of their lives and they cry again one day and this is the cry that caused the parents to be happy at the birth This is the means through which they have communicated and done everything. This is how they knew when it was time to eat and how they knew when it was now time to put clothes on, uh, to take clothes off or whatever it was. If there was any discomfort in the body, it was through these that they communicated that and got the response that they wanted and needed. Then suddenly something happens one day. And it's a great shock to the child. Child cries and the parent says, stop crying. And suddenly the whole world stops responding to the cry. Stop crying. I'm not going to respond. If you don't stop crying, nothing is going to be done about this. Start you know, speaking. If you really want anything, talk to us about it and all of that. And then the child gets confused at this particular point and says that this crying no longer is working. Nobody's responding to the crime. Uh, The authority figures are no longer moving. Circumstances are not changing by reason of this crime. It's no longer an effective way in order to even receive things that legitimately I should have. And the reason is that particular mode of communication is not, is no longer going to be helpful to that child it's now going to work detrimental to the child. So the parents look and say, this has to stop. Because when you grow up, and you're going to grow up, you are not going to pass exams by you crying in the class and trying to get the teacher to give you a score that you did not earn. You are not going to get jobs in future by crying. Nobody is going to marry you because you went there and cried so much that you really wanted and please and just came crying. In fact, it will become counterproductive. I mean, can you imagine somebody going in for a business deal to make a transaction and they say, please, could you tell us why we should give you? And the person starts crying and says, look, you just must give me this thing. I'm crying. I'm crying. I need it. I need it. All right. It becomes detrimental. It becomes counterproductive. It becomes the very reason why you will not get it. And so what happens here, so the child has to go through what is called reinvention, has to change everything in terms of the way the child sees life, their perspective there. There has to be a major paradigm shift if they're going to be able all right, to be accepted into those higher levels and be able to uh, obtain the things that are really on the inside of their heart. They have to find, the child has to find a new way of communicating has to be able to articulate it very clearly, the thoughts that are inside his or her heart, uh, the vision that is on the inside. They've got to know exactly how to communicate that. Even God himself is not going to accept that you're just crying and crying without you asking. He uses different words to describe different ways in which you can pray. He talks about supplication. He talks about intercession. These are intelligent ways of communicating with God. And so the child has to go through what is called a reinvention of itself, so to speak, which means that has to go through that entire process in order to be able to enter into another level there, where they get into now a new comfort zone that is acceptable unto all and so they begin to excel because the child understands that the way and manner in which i'm going to get good marks is through this and so the child subjects themselves or submits themselves rather all right to the process in order to do that now we master it at that particular level again and then we get into another level and there has to be that reinvention and there has to be that re-engineering of our entire beings and so what happens is there are various seasons that we have in our lives each of these seasons, when you get to the peak of it, there has to be a total reinvention of the way and manner in which you look at life and approach things. And the truth about the matter, just as that child crime became detrimental to progress, some of the things that you did at one particular level that caused you to excel, if you just double up on what you are doing, all right, what will happen is diminishing returns begin to set in. You feel, well, this is what I did at this particular level that got me to this particular place. Then you think that if I am going to move from level 5 to level 10, then I just have to double or triple what I did when I was moving from level 2 to level 4. I just have to triple it or double it to now move to level 10. You have to relearn certain things. What will take you to level 10 is not what took you to level 4. It is a different set of skill. It is a fresh understanding, all right, of life. It is new principles that you've got to learn. That's why those who will excel in life, the Bible says, is the meek that will inherit the earth. The meek are people that are teachable. The meek are the people that learn fastest. And that is the key to success, your ability to learn quickly and to adapt to the changes that are going on as you absorb wisdom from God. So the individual has to learn that. And so what really happens is if we get to level 5, we start increasing the struggle because we want to get to 10. So what we do naturally is to increase and double and triple everything that we are doing. Which means that if we were doing certain things, we just say, double up on it, increase it by two measures, or increase it, all right, multiply the effort you are putting in, and as you put in more, then depreciation begins to come in faster. So Jesus says, any branch that bears fruit, what I'm going to do is I'm going to purge it of certain things that it may bring forth more fruit. In other words, you are going to become more impactful, really, by decreasing the amount of activities you are doing at that particular level, which means there are certain things you may just have been doing that were simply occupying space and not adding any much value to your life. So I want to look at this. So what happens most of the time is when we get to level 5 and we're trying to get to level 10, it's almost like we go back to level 3. And when we get there, then we can now get propelled there to level 10. So Jesus was made a little lower for the sufferings of death that he may be crowned with glory and honor. The children of Israel came out of Egypt, but they had to step down in the wilderness in order to enter into the promised land. And so when you step down in the wilderness there is for there to be a reorientation and certain things should happen within your life. Now, there are two types of changes that we're going to face, looking at this, in life. Uh, there is a change that I, I term self-imposed change. And then uh, there is a change that comes as a result of things that are imposed upon you. Or let me say self-induced change and then change that comes as things are imposed upon you. Now, what do we mean by self-induced change? And there's reinvention at both levels. But let's look at self-induced change. So a young man says, I've decided I'm going to get married. Now, he decided, he chose, the person was going to marry, he got married. Changes are going to occur within the life of that person. All right? He now has to change certain things about his life. He's no longer just going to make decisions, right, as though it's just one person that is here. He has to think literally for two people. If he goes on and they have children, changes come. If he is working somewhere and decides, well, I want to go and start business, then starting a business is going to bring about significant changes into his life, into his routine. If he says, listen, I want to get promoted at work and walks towards that and he gains more responsibilities, there are changes that are going to come with that. If he says, well, I want to relocate, I want to leave where I am and move to another city or move to another nation, there are changes that are going to come. But all those changes, all right, are things that were self-induced. In other words, it was based on the pursuit of a vision inside the heart of the individual. It wasn't something that was imposed, it was something that the individual went after. Now, those changes are significant changes that can occur. The complexities that come into the life of this person when he goes after things like that and actually achieves them, or even in the pursuit of them, there are significant changes that will occur. For example, if the number, let's just say, of your clients in a business double from 10 to 20, it is said that the complexities, all right, in terms of the systems and structures you have got to put in to properly manage the complex that come from a double in the number of your clients, the complexities actually don't double, but they increase, all right, to the tune of 12 times. In other words, if you went from 10 to 20, the complexities actually went from 10 to 120. So it's almost like developing a capacity. So those things, all right, are significant changes that occur. But because you plan these changes, you decided you were going for them, you could prepare for them. Now that's the advantage in that. Now there are real changes, but the advantage is you can prepare. You can sit down and talk to people who have already gone ahead in that particular thing, You can read, you can study deliberately for it, and because you have already rehearsed through proper and diligent study the type of changes that will occur once you enter into that new space, what happens is then you are more comfortable with the changes and you are better prepared to handle those changes. However, even with those changes and in those changes, what happens is there's still reinvention that should occur. And this part of what we're talking about. That is that reinvention. Uh, and even when you are making progress and you get to a certain point, you have to reinvent what you are doing before you get to the point where a downward spiral sets in. Because everything has a trajectory. And it goes up to its peak and then begins to dis- de- descend and gets to a point where its value begins to diminish. So people that do well in life understand the cycles. So once it's going up and before it gets to its peak, they reinvent what they are doing and we'll get to this, in order to propel it to a much greater height. And like Jesus said, they never experience death. So they move from life to life. In other words, this thing is growing. They are conscious about the fact that nothing is static in life. Everything is moving. And that you have to recognize the opportunities that are embedded in your success in order to be able to always stay ahead of the curve. And this will be found by looking inwards. And we'll get to this. But the second kind of change that occurs is that which is imposed upon you. Now, this is a very powerful form of change. But the problem is we don't like it. Because we didn't initiate it. It was imposed on us. This is a change that's spoken about in Romans chapter 8. That the whole of creation was made subject. So something comes and you are made subject to it. It's a change that is imposed on you that you don't want. A change imposed on you that you don't like a change that you look at and you can say, look, I could have done without this. And it's imposed on you. And that change, all right, is what it said in Romans 8, where it says, the whole of creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him that subjected the same in hope. Now, the issue about that change is that it's so powerful that it's this type of change that creates a platform for the manifestation of the sons of God. In other words, is when change is imposed on us that there, we have the greatest opportunity for divine distinction because it tells us that the whole of creation is groaning and travailing that they may be caught up into the glorious liberty, let me open up, of the sons of God, for they are all waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. It says, it talks about this. It says, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God, for the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him that subjected the same in hope. It says, because the creature itself shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. Now, so it tells us that the whole of creation is made subject to vanity, not willingly, against their will, to something that they consider to be completely vain. That do I have to experience this? Not willingly, but by reason of him that subjected the same in hope. So Satan comes in to subject in the hope of something. That if I subject these people to this and bring this upon them, I will be able to kill, to steal, and to destroy them. Just like Joseph was made subject to vanity by his brothers. And the hope of those who did it was to destroy Joseph and his vision and the dream. But Joseph, at the end of the day, said what you meant for evil, God turned it around for good. And what we saw in the life of Joseph was a manifestation of something powerful, which we'll call sonship, firstborn rats. And he became prime minister of the nation of of, of Egypt at that particular point in time. So, this type of change that is imposed upon us gives us the biggest opportunity on the earth for there to be a manifestation. But at the time in which it's imposed, we don't like it looks like we are made subject to vanity, but it's pregnant with things. Now, I want to speak to this because we are going through that type of change now. The COVID-19 imposed upon the whole of creation and made the whole of creation subject to vanity against their will. And in all of our lifetime, at least of this generation, We have never experienced what we just experienced and are coming out of. And that's if they told any person in January that all of the major airports in the world at some point will be grounded and only 3% of planes will be flying in the air. People would have said, what are you talking about? If they told you that on Easter Sunday, 98% 98% of the churches in the world will be on lockdown. Nobody will hold services in their auditorium. And even those that were there, not one single one of them will be full to capacity because you will have, if they told you that in January, you'll have said, "What? listen to me, what are you drinking? So the whole of creation was made subject, but it becomes the finest hour for God's people, if we understand this reinvention. Because creation is waiting on the church without them knowing subconsciously, they are waiting on a people that have another method of getting things
1: done outside of the predictable patterns. Thank you for listening to today's podcast to listen to the full message or any other message please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org for any inquiries please call 818 god bless you